Okay, so continuing with this letter 20, we're going today to be focused on the dynamics of Torah and the commandments. When we look in the organization of the divine attributes, Torah is higher than the commandments. Torah is the six emotive attributes, and the commandments are the final attribute of sovereignty, which is parallel to the letters of God's name. The Torah is the third letter, the Vav, while the commandments are embodied by the final fourth letter, the final hey. So Torah is superior to the commandments. But if we look in their higher source, in the crown, which supersedes the organization of the ten divine attributes, the commandments are higher than Torah. The commandments are rooted in the skull, specifically in the whiteness of the skull, and the kindness of the skull, the crown. And Torah is lower than the skull. It's the from the level of God's concealed wisdom, a wisdom that's concealed, that's giving the reasons for the commandments, which will only be revealed by the Messiah. So this concealed wisdom is within, and thus lower than, the skull of the crown, which transcends the divine attribute. So on the level of the crown, their source, so to speak, the commandments are superior. On the level of how they're expressed in the divine attributes, the Torah is superior. So why would this be? Because this is similar to an inverted seal. A stamp of an engraved seal leaves an impression, which is the exact opposite of itself, right? It's left, left is right, what protrudes is indented, what's indented protrudes. So the protruding superior level of the commandments in the crown descend within the divine attributes to be indented, to be lower while the indented or lower level of Torah descends within the divine attributes to this protruding or loftier level. And this relates, of course, to a concept that we discussed earlier in this letter, the quotation, their beginning is wedged in their end, in their culmination. The beginning, the higher superior level of the crown, in which we now understand the commandments are rooted, descends and becomes wedged in the culmination of the lowest level of the divine attributes, the divine attribute of sovereignty, which is where we're saying the commandments are found. Because within sovereignty, the power of the infinity of God to create something from nothing is expressed. That's the power of crown, which is invested most specifically, not in the higher nine divine attributes, but in the tenth and final one, in sovereignty. As versus how we see creation occurring in the higher nine divine attributes, which is the cause and effect model. The cause descends to become an effect. The effect then in turn becomes the next cause, which descends further, from which an effect emerges. That creation can't fulfill God's intention. It does not fulfill the purpose of why God wanted creation. Because God's vision is that there should be a something that in itself perception, it views itself as an entity distinct from source, from God. Because then God can be king over it. Because to be king we need creations that view themselves as separate from him, but nevertheless nullify their will to his through the actual performance of the commandments. It says the final act was present in the beginning of thought. So the final act here refers to the commandments. They're the final act. They're performed with physical objects. But they originated in the level of thought that transcends the first divine thought, the first seminal wisdom, higher than that, 
is the commandment. And within that sublime level, a divine intent desires the fulfillment of commandments, which involve physicality. Which is why we look in the Talmud of Jerusalem, the Talmud Yerushalmi, there's a discussion of the sages and Reb Shimon about to or not to interrupt Torah study. So the sages had asked Reb Shimon if he and his colleagues would interrupt the Torah study for the recitation of Shema. And he said, no. The sages then said, oh, right, because Shema you might view as Torah study. They're both, so to speak, learning. Shema is words of Torah. But surely Reb Shimon would interrupt his Torah study for the performance of a practical commandment in its proper time. In other words, this is showing that the sages are expressing that Torah study defers to a commandment whose time has arrived. And additionally, this Talmud quotes Rav Yochanan who says, whoever learns the intention not to practice, you're going to learn Torah but not do the commandments, it would be better for him had his afterbirth turned over. In other words, had he not been born. So why does the Talmud use this expression, had his afterbirth turned over? And the Rav explains this very deeply and exactly in consonance with what we're saying here. The afterbirth is what's first formed by the seminal drop. And until the 40th day, when the embryo begins to take on form, it's the essential substance of the embryo. So the afterbirth comes first. It's in its essence and roots. And then it's ejected last and seemingly not as important. So this is exactly a mirror image of the commandment vis-a-vis Torah. The commandments are the essence of roots in Torah. Even though in our world the commandment is corporeal and the Torah is ethereal, it's wisdom. But this loftier standing of the commandments is on an external, encompassing level, while the Torah is existing on an internal level, and thus is able to infuse the commandments with vitality and soul. So, did a person study Torah and not intend to perform the commandments? He's lacking the root and foundation of Torah study. Better for him has afterbirth turned over. 